And you remember all the talk um, about bolstering the military? It all sort of came around with the start of the Ukraine situation, right? And there was a lot of criticism about Canada and, you know, our capabilities. And actually, our foreign affairs minister, Melanie Jolie, said at one point, you know what, when it comes to military, we're not really a player. We're not, you know, our strength is in diplomacy and and those sorts of things. Uh, but when it comes to actually being uh, a contributing member to a military force, we're not the first call that people make. But there was talk. Then we're gonna we're gonna work on that. We're gonna make things a little bit better. Um, and there was going to be increased spending and increased focus and all this sort of stuff. Well, the most recent budget just came out March twenty eighth, so like a week ago. Not only did that not happen. In terms of an increase in funding, there was also in a roundabout way concerns that we might see spending reductions, maybe that it's kind of vague. It's not completely clear because you probably heard that all government departments have been tasked with coming up with efficiencies and savings that would reduce their costs. Does that apply? To the Department of National Defense, you know, uh, federal officials have said, no, 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 Canadian forces are not going to see cuts. But so where are we when it comes to funding the military? Because we're hearing one thing, but we're, we're not seeing it play out in reality. We're going to chat with David Perry, who is president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, focuses on defense funding in this country. David, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Yeah, great to talk to you. So, I mean, basically, to start, despite all the talk that we heard about um, defense spending and the promise not long ago of, like, I think it was $10 billion was going to be spent, we, we, we didn't see that last week, did we? No, we didn't. Um, to be fair to the government, uh, as they laid out in their budget, itemizing the things that they'd done in the year before they released it uh, last week, like you said, uh, they have committed pretty significant new money, uh, $55 billion with the accounting format the Department of Finance uses over 20 years, yep. uh, which, which is, you know, really significant money. But uh, the context going into that budget was the department had been uh, tagged last April in the 2022 budget with doing a defense policy review and update to the existing defense policy um, and, and the Spirit of the the time we're in now, with strategic competition, um, you know, Russia's war in Ukraine, China. The expectation was that that defense review uh, was going to be done quickly, and then also given all those different needs, uh, and the fact that we're really making up for a long period of underinvestment in our armed forces, um, that there'd be new money coming with that. Uh, and we didn't see any of that uh, announced last week. And as you're mentioning, there's probably some level of budget cut being applied to D&D. So yeah. coming out of the last week, they, they they actually had some money taken away. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, how does that work? Because I think it's about 3%. They've tasked all federal departments with coming up. And there's different ways they want them to do that. Come up with efficiencies, get rid of consultants, all this sort of stuff. But they say it doesn't apply to the Canadian Armed Forces. It does apply to the Department of National Defense, though, which controls the Armed Forces budget. I mean, is that where we're at? So where we're at right now is uh, unclear because I don't think those details have been fully worked out. Uh, only one of those measures, the one about the 3% uh, reduction to all operating expenditures, basically, that says the Canadian Armed Forces uh, are not part of that. But there's lack of clarity about whether or not the, the Department of National Defense, the, with the legal entity that supports the Armed Forces, is part of that or not. And there's no specifically described exemption for... Um, the consulting and travel spending um, that you were talking about either. So that's unclear. And the key thing uh, for the military in this country is that because uh, the Department of Defense is the biggest uh, line spending budget in the government of Canada, um, it, resent, it represents about a quarter of both buckets of spending. 
Um, so if the department's trying to save money, it's pretty difficult to do that if you give uh, the military and the defense department a total pass. Um, and at the same time, uh, the military relies on travel, um, as an example, a lot more than other government departments do. They have uh, troops in Edmonton and in Latvia, uh, and it's hard to get between those places uh, without spending some significant money on travel costs. Yeah, of course. What, what about consulting? Is that so, I mean, are they pretty self-contained, or do they spend a lot of money on outside consulting? Um, they spend a lot of money on service contracts, which is a distinction that I'd make. Um, they spend a little bit, like $70 million on management consultants, but... So as an example, uh, the bucket of spending that D&D spends on service contracts is about $4.5 billion. About half of that, uh, give or take, $2.5 million roughly, um, is spent on engineering and architectural services. And then the department's got a lot of other things that it pays for. Um, healthcare, as an example, because uh, members of our military fall outside of uh, Canada's uh, Medicare system. Um, so that's paid for from that line of uh, spending, as well as communication support, things like informatics satellite uh, communication services, uh, things like that. So the department spends an awful lot of money on service contracts. Um, about 1% to 1.5% is spent on management consulting, things like McKinsey. Um, so the, the military uses that that bucket of spending to, to deliver real, real things that directly support military operations. So what's the likelihood then, if we do see this 3% reduction that's applied to the Department of National Defense, that it will have an impact on, on the forces? I mean, it will have to, won't it? It all depends on the details, but if they are looking to get, you know, 15% uh, contribution for D&D, that, that would uh, potentially amount to a few hundred million dollars a year um, and spending reductions. And given the kind of the wonky way that D&D's budget works, what it would mean would is basically would be a slower or reduced pace of spending increase because the department is on kind of a trajectory of a progressively growing uh, spending line. Um, but the other piece of context in all this is that we're, we're still basically – Looking ahead, not going to be coming anywhere near um, the, the NATO 2% of GDP being spent on military targets that Canada and other allies signed up to in 2014 at the NATO Wales Summit. Uh, and heading into the summit uh, in Vilnius uh, this summer, there's a lot of discussion amongst uh, different allies of setting a 2% uh, target. Um, to, instead of having it be a target, it's going to become a floor for spending. And even though Canada's on a path to have our spending increase, we're still making up for about 20 years of underinvestment. Uh, and so we're, one, just kind of trying to backfill on long overdue uh, underspending on things like new fighter airplanes. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to be really moving anywhere closer to the commitments we made to our allies. Yeah, exactly. We have so much catch-up to play here. What about the consult? There's a consultation process underway right now, right? Wrap- wrapping up the end of this month that the defense minister is doing. How does that fit into this conversation? Not totally clear. Uh, it's supporting the ongoing policy work the Department of National Defense is doing. Uh, and they've already done some... Uh, some consultation already. I, I was um, had the opportunity to be part of that, and they're, they've opened it up uh, more broadly to take uh, people's feedback. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not entirely clear uh, what is actually going to come of that and how that would be used. Um, but I think the other piece on this is that uh, it's not clear whether or not the, that policy exercise is happening with an opportunity of more money behind it, um, because if there isn't, then it's going to be a very different exercise uh, and a, a potentially uh, one that we'll have to look at uh, options for, for, for no longer doing certain, certain kinds of activities because they aren't going to have enough money to go around. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, I mean, just to maintain is one thing we've talked about. Um, David, thanks so much for being with us today. I appreciate your time.